This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. One of the most magical times to fly fish a river or lake is during an insect hatch. Caddis, blue-winged olives, salmon flies, pale morning duns. Technically, these insects don't hatch, they emerge. And some of these hatches happen at certain times during the season, like the Mother's Day caddis hatch on Montana's uh, Yellowstone River. That's a fabled hatch, and if you hit it right, uh, you'll have your best day ever. It's amazing. Yeah, other hatches will happen almost daily over a period of weeks. I remember our conversation with uh, uh, an expert recently. He was talking about some of the streams on the East Coast, like in Pennsylvania. He said there's a uh, midge hatch that's going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So today our topic is fishing the hatch. Dave, do you have a memorable experience involving a hatch when you were fishing? I've had great experiences and I've had frustrating experiences where there's a hatch going on, apparently, and I'm not able to catch any of them. And you're just... <laughs> Been you, there, done that. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, obviously, my best day ever was uh, fishing a midge hatch on, uh, midge hatch on the uh, Madison, the lower Madison. And you know, again, it was snow was falling, it was cold, and you know every cast, we're using actually a really tiny um, parachute atoms, I think, and, and they were just killing it. Wow. And I remember you did pretty well last year. We were on the East Gallatin in uh, uh, not far from Bozeman, Montana, and uh, you were the one guy. There were three of us, and there were trichos in the water. You were actually catching fish, and I think the, the, other, uh, the other guy and I were kind of struggling. Uh, it was actually a morning before the That's sun. Right. About 11 o'clock, it shut down. Yeah. 11.30, mm-hmm. it shut down. But it was, a, it was, again, it was a great morning. Uh, but fishing those trichos, that is a small fly. That is just really, really hard to present well really is. So Steve, what was the best day you've had when you caught the hatch just perfectly? Well, it would have been one of those handful of times where I was fishing the Mother's Day caddis hatch on the Yellowstone River. Uh, Mother's Day caddis hatch, a uh, thing about that is that while uh, maybe the, the apex or the zenith of the hatch is around Mother's Day, uh, usually by then the river's blown out. You know, it gets warm and so the snow melts and, and the Yellowstone is kind of flowing like chocolate milk and uh, yeah. doesn't do yeah. any good. But usually in late April, there's a, there's a short window and uh, where that hatch really starts up in, a, in force. And I was out on one of those days, and I've, uh, I've had a handful of them. But on that particular day, I had caught several fish. And then it really started getting windy, uh, which is so characteristic of that Yellowstone country. And I was fishing below the Pine Creek Bridge in Paradise Valley. Uh, Dave, you and I fished there below those cliffs. You oh, know? yeah, many times. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm standing. Those holes are deep there. Oh, they are. Yeah, that, that's a, it's a deep run. And so I'm standing right there, and the wind is whipping, and it's blowing dust into my eyes. So I thought, forget this. I'm just going to wait it out for a few minutes. And I, I took my fly, and I hooked it on that little uh, eyelet, you know, in, in front, of, uh, uh, you know, front of the handle. And, and I kind of put my rod under my arm. I'm cradling it. And I just close my eyes. I'm just waiting it out. <laughs> And about 20 seconds into that, all 
all of a sudden, it's like something's ripping my rod out of my arm. And I looked, and I have a fish on. I thought, what in the world? And then I realized that the, the fly had blown loose, and it was blowing over the surface of the water. And apparently, it landed on the water, and a big old rainbow <laughs> took it. And you're lucky that didn't pull out of your arm, because that rod would have been gone. Oh, I know. I know. I've, I've lost tip sections before, and as long as you have something, Orvis will replace your rod. But I wouldn't have had anything that day. I would have lost my reel, yeah, too. Yeah, that would have been a hard uh, hard sell to your Orvis rep. You oh, know, no. Can replace my rod that I don't have anymore. No kidding. All right. Here are four quick tips to help you successfully fish the hatches you'll encounter on the river or on the lake. Uh, Dave, what's the first one? Well, the first one is to educate yourself. I know this sounds patently obvious, but uh, I'm a kinesthetic learner, so I've pretty much... What is that? Well, it means I've learned by failure, which means I don't, (laughs) (laughs) which means I don't read anything. I go out there, don't catch any fish, and then I have to go back and and read something, and then it makes sense to me. (laughs) But again, with all the information out there... It's by doing, isn't it? It's totally by doing. You can imagine how I uh, navigated undergraduate and graduate school (laughs) very carefully. Um, but again, you do not have to be an entomologist That's right. uh, to really understand the That's hatch. Right. And there are, there, you know, Steve and I, you know, I've talked many times, there are all these classes of fly fishers out there. There's the expert guides, there's the people who write books, and then there's the rest of us. Yeah. And um, so you don't need to be an entomologist, but with all the information out there, um, you know, either Google uh, the hatch, but understand yeah. what the hatches are, where you're fishing. And here's another really important point. Many of us have to go a distance to fly fish. And so we have to understand what the hatches are in the area that we're going to. So it's not like, like you know, we don't live in Montana, so we can't do the, you know, Mother's Day caddis hatch, right? Unless right. we just happen to be out there and catch it. So um, the, I just picked up a book recently, uh, Dave Hughes' uh, Pocket Guide to Western Hatches. Great where, book. Yeah, it really is. And it's very simple. And, um, and, and I have to be honest that I need to go back and reread some of the basics uh, right. again and again. And it really, some for me, after I read something, everything else seems to make sense to me. So um, that's a great little book. Yeah. But again, DVDs, uh, right. the web, it's just a great place to uh, to begin. And talk to the guys at the fly shop. I, I know that sounds like our default answer for everything, but it is our default answer right. for everything. Absolutely. I mean, just recently we were uh, out in Montana and a simple ask, it got us that, was that the that spruce moth that you right, used, yeah, you know, that spruce moth. All of a sudden, yeah. and and that thing worked beautifully. Yeah, it really did. You know, get familiar with the most common insects. Like Dave said, you don't have to become an entomologist, but you kind of have to know the basics. And uh, once you do that, you, you'll be surprised how that helps. I saw that this uh, this summer. My son Luke and I were fishing on the Boulder River in Montana, uh, south of Big Timber, way up in the mountains. And uh, uh, we were fishing in different places. And Luke came back, and he had a picture to prove it. But he said, hey, I caught a 17-inch rainbow, which is a trophy up there. Yeah, that's 
a big fish. Yeah. And I said, so what did you use? He said, well, I'm, I'm fishing. And I started to see these flies and I realized they were blue wing olives. So he switched to a parachute Adams, which is uh, just your garden variety uh, imitation pattern for uh, BWOs and, and some other things and uh, caught this trout. And I thought, wow, that's impressive. He hasn't been fly fishing that long, but he's figured out early on if, if you recognize some of these basic bugs, you don't have to know a hundred different species, subspecies. Uh, you, you just learn the basics and uh, that'll get you a ways. So first of all, educate yourself. Secondly, try a different size of fly before you switch patterns. And I remember uh, our friend Bob Granger uh, telling us that. And a few years ago, I was fishing in a snowstorm in Montana in the, the fall. And uh, there were rainbows rising all over the place. And it was driving me crazy because I knew they were feeding on blueing olives. And I was fishing a size 18 parachute atoms. They would not take that for anything. And I remembered Bob's advice. So I, I pulled out a size 20. I thought, this is just ridiculous. Now they really won't see this. And boom, that's what they wanted. They were feeding on really tiny uh, blueing olives that day. And, and a size 20 was uh, right in the size range. So uh, try a different size before you switch patterns. Well, that just reminds me. I was just thinking about what's in my fly box right now and I it just hits me I need to make sure that I have multiple sizes you know exactly maybe a 16 you know parachute atoms to as tiny as you can purchase them well that's right yeah instead of having 30 different patterns have just four or five basic you know have uh, uh, that blueing olive have pale morning duns have uh, elk hair caddis but yeah make sure they're in 14 16 18 and, and then with the uh, uh, with the pale morning duns and with the blue wing olives, you definitely want to have 20s. I, I, I've rarely fished a 22. I don't think I could see to tie yeah, that thing on. I don't know how you can see that, yeah. I will say that the tendency, I think, and this is just my own little humble opinion, is to overthink the hatches. Right. And, um, and to think that you do have to become an entomologist to be able to fish it well and to catch fish. I, but yet I have caught a lot of fish with some yep. of these simple principles. Yeah, you have. Yeah, so try a different size before you switch patterns. So our third point today is to consider fishing under the surface. Uh, when exactly. we were out in Montana recently, we um, were fishing the stream, and we were not ca- we were fishing actually for uh, we were using hoppers trying to catch, get them to rise to hoppers, and we had really the best day ever. But in that moment, um, there was a trico hatch going on, and there was nothing uh, feeding on the surface. Now that doesn't mean that they're not feeding on that particular hatch, and um, and so sometimes when you see a trout roll, um, that trout trout may not be feeding on the surface, but is right. feeding on an emergency which is just under the surface. So we always recommend that you use a dropper um, and simply fish nymphs, um, maybe while you're also uh, fishing the top of the water. So you have your top fly, and then you have your dropper, which might be down 12 inches. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what you're trying to imitate is that uh, insect as it is emerging uh, and moving its way through the column up until the uh, film. And, um, And so you'll be surprised 
surprised at how often you'll, if you can't catch them on the surface, sometimes just beneath the surface you can catch them. That's really true. It's like you said, sometimes you may say, wow, there's just, I don't see anything happening on the surface and you put a, a nymph on and then drop another one behind it. But sometimes, yeah, you may have, say, an elk hair caddis uh, that's floating on the surface, but then you, uh, you yeah, you tie on that uh, 12 inches of tippet material onto the end of the hook of that fly and then you tie on uh, an emerger by emerger pattern we're just talking about a little nymph that's probably going to float under the surface maybe maybe only an inch maybe a couple of inches but it will imitate uh, that fly that, that's emerging and just before they hit the surface it's like you said dave sometimes when you see uh, trout rolling in the film in other words you see on the surface of the water wow there's trout rolling and you think wow they're feeding on the surface uh, not necessarily they may be feeding on something that's uh, uh, two inches under or an inch under, but but when they get that, you're obviously going to see their their backs roll over in the film. One of the things I always struggle with when I'm fishing is, okay, I'm doing something, right, and it's not working. Yeah. Should I change my flies? Should I go smaller? Should I add a dropper? Uh, in many ways, fly fishing is one big set of problems that you have to solve when <laughs> right. you're not catching fish. And um, and so if, you're, if there is a hatch going on and you're not catching fish and you're not fishing below the surface, uh, try that and see if that helps. Exactly. This might be also be the place to say, hey, be careful whenever you're fishing a dropper. Uh, we saw that uh, a couple weeks ago. We were fly fishing with a friend in Montana, and uh, he had uh, two flies, and he, he caught a really nice rainbow. And as he's taking the hook out uh, of the top fly, the fish started to wiggle and jump, as they tend to do, and it yanked up the, the, the lower fly, and it hooked him right in the finger. And uh, you had to do a little bit of surgery, didn't you? That was a deep, <laughs> deep uh, sink. I don't know other, really any other way to say it. I mean, I that fly it. was buried in his thumb. Yeah. And um, and so he had a technique that we used. I can't even remember what it's called, but um, he held the shank of the fly down. We put a fly line around it and, and I jerked it out. I mean, it Right at the bend, yeah. You just hooked that into the bend, yep. didn't you, with that uh, like double lot tippet? And well, I tell you what, it hurt me pulling it out, but it came out cleanly, yeah. And uh, it barely bled even. Yeah. So be careful when you're doing that because it's uh, really easy to uh, get that uh, first or second uh, hook. And uh, the other thing too, when you're fishing multiple flies, I know that's not the topic of, of our podcast today, but uh, when you're fishing multiple flies, it just increases exponentially the opportunity for tangles and that's what I'm really an expert in <laughs> yeah you know I remember when I first started learning um, to, to nymph I was out with a friend out in the roaring fork I think or it was a frying pan actually out in Colorado all right and um, and it was my first time and I remember my first cast into the wind and it was a tangled mess I had two flies underneath the dropper and it was I don't know what I was doing but Yikes. Uh, it was painful all right, so we're talking about four tips to help you fishing during the hatch. Number one, educate yourself. That's where it all starts. That's huge. Secondly, try a different size fly before you switch patterns. Three, consider fishing under the surface. And here's the fourth and final tip. Fish a fly you can see when there are a blizzard of bugs on the water. 
I remember a few years ago, one of those days I was on the Yellowstone for the Mother's Day caddis hatch, and I could not see my fly. This is just ridiculous. And then uh, later, a friend of ours, Bob Granger, said, hey, uh, try this. The next time that you tie a, uh, a caddis fly, an elk hair caddis fly, uh, put a little strip of red uh, Antron body wool on the back. And uh, wow, that made a big difference because uh, there are no caddis flies that have red <laughs> stripes on the back. But mine did. And I was able to see that thing and like, oh, yeah, it, it, it took my fly. And sometimes, of course, uh, parachute patterns do that. I mean, that's what I love about the parachute atoms. Even that really tiny size 20, you can see that white post yeah, that makes a exactly. difference. Exactly. It makes it, it makes fishing the hatch, uh, you know, enjoyable, right? Yeah. You, you know, it, there's nothing, to me, there's nothing worse when fishing and not being able to see where they're striking, where the, you know, if you got drag or anything. So uh, I love, I love that white post on the, uh, on the parachute atoms. Yeah, that is so true. Hey, by the way, too, when you're fishing, uh, with that dropper, like we talked about before, your top fly, the one that's floating on the surface is also like a strike indicator. So you're watching that thing, not only for a fish to take it, but if it disappears under the surface, wow, it's probably taking your dropper. So yeah. that's why it's really important to have a fly that you can see. All right, that'll do it for today. If you have any tips on fishing the hatch, please share them on our website. We realize that some of you are uh, uh, beginning fly fishers, but if you're a veteran and you have some other things that would be helpful, please share them on our website. Go to twoguysandariver.com. That's two with a numeral, twoguysandariver.com, and comment on this podcast link on fishing the hatch. What tips would you offer for fishing the hatch? Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. We post um, new podcasts weekly. And subscribe to our podcast via iTunes if you have an iPhone uh, or Stitcher if you have a Droid. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. 